Welcome back to the Witching Podcast. My name is Siobhan and I'm here with my co-host Julia. And today I am so excited. She's <laughs> talking about the history of the Ouija board. So super spooky episode. I'm I'm so pumped. Yes, I was so excited to do research for this. I actually don't remember how I even came up with this idea to do this episode. I can't remember, but I just remember it was in the middle of the night and I couldn't sleep. And I was thinking about, yeah, no, I woke up and I couldn't fall back asleep. And I was just like thinking about the podcast and I was like, what should I, cause I couldn't think of something to do. And then somehow I just came up with Ouija board and I was like, hell yeah, that's awesome. And then I fell back asleep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, usually my, also my good ideas come to me at very inconvenient times. Yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and this, this was really a lot more interesting than I thought. Like I didn't realize because I'll get more into this later, but like, you know how a lot of people in like the older generation, like Gen X or like baby boomers, they're like, oh, like Ouija boards are evil. And they like, yes. are you like, you know, the devil, you can contact the devil and it like, they're like actually like scared of them. Like, yes. so I always thought that that's like how it always was, but it's not like they were like, everyone was really into Ouija boards at for a really long time. And I just thought that, oh, that was really oh, interesting. You know what? Now that you say that it makes a lot of sense because didn't they sell it as a board game? Yep. You know, like, yeah, it wasn't like such a how you say it wasn't such a like a tool, you know, that that people use now. It's it was literally marketed as like a game. Yeah. So it was used as it was marketed as a game as for like entertainment. But it really but it also was used like it was also marketed so that you could actually talk to the dead. Like so it was yeah. it was marketed both ways and people loved it. But I'll get more into that and why and stuff. So basically, the first thing I like to do when doing research is to always look up the definition of things. Um, I don't know why. It's just like what I like to do. It's so, a good place to start. <laughs> yeah. So Ouija board, also known as a talking board or spirit board. The Oxford Dictionary definition is a board printed with letters, numbers, and other signs to which a planchette or a movable indicator points supposedly an answer to questions from people at a seance. So basically you know, you can use it to talk to spirits and spirits will move around the little planchette around the board to spell words or answer questions, yes or no answers, things like that. Spooky. So, spooky, spooky. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was just the basic history, like when it was created by who and things like that. Mm -hmm. So in 1886, the Associated Press reported on a new phenomenon taking over like a spiritualist camp in Ohio, which was basically the, it was called a talking board at that point, which is it was basically a Ouija board like what we know today. So it had like the letters, the numbers, um, and mm -hmm. it had like a planchette like thing on it to point to them. So at that point, spiritualists were using it for the same exact thing that we know that them to be used for, which was to communicate with spirits. Okay. And at this time, um, I'll get more into this later, but at this time, like a spiritualist movement was really, really active. So a lot of people were very spiritual, even if they are Christian, like they were very spiritual and into communicating with spirits and their past loved ones and things like that. And people okay. weren't scared of it. Like people were genuinely trying to like reach like, you know, old loved ones, people who had passed away, like in a, in a more, in a positive way, not yeah. in like a negative way, like trying to like conjure demons and things like that. Yeah. I was just going to say, what, what year did you say this was happening? That was in 1886. Yeah. So, so like the Victorian era, there mm -hmm. was a lot of like, you know, like the side shows and like yep. the road shows that would bring around. It was like literally, like you said, like more so entertainment, not so much like evil practice. No. You know? Yeah. It was all in a very like positive light, really. Yeah. And it was really normal for people to 
do that. Like it wasn't weird. Like how you would think about it nowadays. Like some people are like, Oh, that's ridiculous. That's weird. But like back then it was really normal for people to be doing that. Interesting. Yeah. So some businessmen kind of um, saw that article in the newspaper about the talking board and they were like, hey, that's a really good idea for like a game or like something that we could produce and market and sell. So Mm -hmm. those people's um, his name was Charles Kennard. And in 1890, he pulled together a group of four other investors. So himself, a guy named Elijah Bond, who was an attorney and a guy named Colonel Washington Bowie, who was a surveyor and another guy. And they started the Kennard Novelty Company so that they could make the Ouija boards. Mm -hmm. But none of them were spiritualists. They just basically wanted to make money off of this. Of course. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, that's how basically everything (laughs) starts, basically. So so they had this idea, (laughs) you know, exactly. So the talking board that they, that became popular at that spiritualist camp, like they didn't really have to do that much to it in order to get to the, you know, the style that we know it today, like the original Ouija board setup, but Mm. they didn't have the name Ouija board. It was just called a talking board then. And it's actually, I guess a lot of people think that it's the, the name Ouija comes from a combination of the French word for yes, which is we, and the German, which word for yes, which is ja. So Ouija, we, or that's probably why you pronounce it that way. Because people think that it's a combination of those two words, but it's not. So the real story behind that is one of the investors, Elijah Bond, his sister-in-law, who was supposedly a very popular medium at the time, her name was Helen Peters. She's the one who came up with the name. So they basically were using the talking board because they wanted to use it so that the talking board or the spirits could like tell them what the name was supposed to be. So they were using the talking board in order for, they were like asking the spirit board to tell them what its name was basically. And that's how they came up with it. So they sat around the table and they asked the board what it should be called. And it came out with the name Ouija and they asked what it meant. And the board said that it meant good luck. So it's kind Hmm. of, you know, kind of creepy. But also it could have just, I don't know, like it's not creepy, but it's like someone, someone at that table obviously had some kind of plan. Yeah. I just, you know, I'm thinking about how, like, I, I'm like digesting how you're saying it started, Mm -hmm. but you know, I guess their motivation to talking to dead people, of course, you said like their loved ones, like they just want to talk to the people that they love. And that's mm-hmm. like really sweet and stuff. But in general, I just don't ever see myself like wanting to talk to someone who is dead. Like just the whole idea of that is really scary to me. Like it's, it's just like it doesn't sit well with me. I, but- get, I get that. But I think. Like, so I'll get more into why you think that later, but like, thank you. (laughs) Back then it wasn't scary to them. There's things that have happened in pop culture that I'll go over that have given it, given talking to spirits and things like that and supernatural a, you know, kind of more of a scary undertone. But back then they didn't think it was scary. Like they, there was nothing that they... Like there wasn't like, I don't want to give it away. (laughs) Okay. Okay. But basically it wasn't scary to them back then. Mm -hmm. So also they're, they're also saying the article that I read for this, um, they said that they also could have come up with that name because Helen Peters was wearing a locket with a woman on it. And above it, it said Ouija or Ouija on it. But it could have been a picture of a woman who was like a famous author and her actual name was Ouija with a D instead of a J. So it could have just been someone in the in the circle or her saw Mm -hmm. knew that they, you know, saw the name and they just spelt it wrong. Oh, gotcha. So that could have been the influence for that a little bit. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So that's where that came from, Ouija. And 
So after they got the name, they went to go patent the idea so that they can start making the boards. But they knew that the only way that they would be able to get the patent was if they were able to prove that the board actually worked. Oh, God. So what they did was they brought Helen Peters with them. Mm-hmm. And the patent officer basically said that they wouldn't get the patent unless they were able to demonstrate the board working. And the way that he wanted them to do that was by asking the board what his name was. And apparently Bond, the guy who went to the patent office and Helen Peters, they weren't supposed to know the patent officer's name. So they were somehow able to spell out the guy's name and guess what his name was using the board. So then they got the patent. But of Hmm. course, I mean... They could That's have so just easy to. Yeah. The guy, Elijah Bond, he was a patent attorney. So it's very possible that he could have known what his name was. And he just pretended that he didn't know what it was. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's just such an easy, like, ask around thing. Yeah. You know how, like certain uh, psychic mediums there, they know things that you don't know. But like, in reality, if you go on like your Facebook, like you can infer certain things. Like, right. I feel like it's just as easy as that. Like just ask around and, and you'll get the answer. You know? Right. But I think the fact that um, the patent officer didn't think that he, they knew his name and the fact that Helen Peters was there and she was like a very strong medium that kind of convinced him that it actually did work. So he mm-hmm. gave them the patent. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. So they started reproducing these in 1891. So that's when they were first put out on the market. And the first, very first boards that were put out uh, in the patent was very cryptic. So it kind of just said like, this works, but it doesn't say how it works. So the mystery behind like how it works made people want to buy even more because they were like, People were like, oh, this um, this board can help you, you know, communicate with spirits. And then they're like, how does it work? And they're like, I don't know, it just works. And then they're like, "Okay, let's try it. Yeah. And then it would work. So it just made um, a really big phenomenon. So a little bit more about the history of just the owners and um, where it went. By 1892, the Kennard Novelty Company went from one factory in Baltimore to two in Baltimore, then two in New York, then two in Chicago, and then one in London. So like this grew in just the matter of two years, like basically like quadrupled or more in size. The popularity of these boards just blew up. Yeah, the growth rate. Oh, geez. Yeah, it's insane. So um, and then by 1893, Bond and Kennard left the company and one of their employees or stockholders um, ended up running the company. His name was William um, Fold, I think. Fold or yeah, I think it's pronounced Fold. And then the other investor, Bowie, he um, was also running the company until 1919 when he sold the rest of his shares to Fold. And then they changed the name to the Fold Company. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a little history behind the company and how fast it grew um, up until 1990, 1919, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little bit about why the talking boards are so popular. So like I said earlier, spiritualism was very, very popular um, in the 1800s, kind of like the second half of the 1800s. So and spiritualism was around in Europe for a really long time before it hit America. That's such like a spooky era. Like, Mm -hmm. you know how like they were obsessed with like death and everything back then? Black. Like, I Mm -hmm. I feel like that suits them. It really fits. Yeah. So in 1848, there was these sisters named the Fox sisters who came to New York and they claimed to receive messages from spirits who like knocked on their walls and they would answer questions. So that's kind of how it all started in America. Mm. Like these sisters just became so prominent in America, like with their spiritualism and everything that that's kind of where it started. And another thing about spiritualism specifically in America was that it was really compatible with like Christian ideas of the afterlife, because, you know, most Christians believe in the afterlife. So, you know, being able to communicate with spirits and people in the afterlife and in heaven, that kind of resonated with them and it didn't bother them. So they would like have no problem, 
you know, holding a seance at night on like a Saturday night and then going to church the next morning. Because it kind of just like fit. They just fit together, you know? Yeah, I'm just like, like you said, I must be biased based on like my exposure to pop culture. Yeah. That's so like, because all of the Christians that I know today, they hate them. Yeah. Not fuck with them like at all. I know it. it, There was a very big shift um, in the 1900s that really changed Christians views about spirituality and like communing with spirits and things like that. But Mm -hmm. before that, they were like all about it because, you know, they believed that people, you know, would go to heaven. And, you know, another thing about that is that back then people had very, very short life expectancy. So like, it Mm -hmm. was like less than 50 years old that people were expected to die. So people, a lot of people took comfort in the fact that they could try to communicate with like their past loved ones who kind of like were gone too soon because they were still young when they would die. So I think that has to do with it too. Like just wanting to be connected with people who have passed on um, since they passed away so soon. Yeah. I was just going to say like, I mean, I'm almost 25 and I feel like I'm like still very, like, I still feel like, you know, I have so much ahead of me. Yeah. So much life to live. Like imagine 20 years from now, we'd be dead. Like that's, that was a life expectancy. Exactly. That's, That's so sad. And that's another thing too. Like that's like, when you think about when, you know, women would be giving birth and getting married, like so young, Well, that's why, because they would be expected to be dead in like 20 years. So So they have to kind of get started early to be able to have a family and all of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That's kind of off topic, but (laughs) (laughs) it's true, though. So that's kind of why it was like a big hit for people, especially in like Catholic and Christian religions and basically anyone, you know, they were into it just for the fact that they wanted to be able to communicate with people that they who've passed on. Well, like you said, it kind of uh, solidified the idea that if you were good, you get to live eternally somewhere else. And this was kind of like, you know, the cell phone connection to, mm-hmm. to wherever that was. So it, it yeah. that makes sense. Like, it, yeah. it, I think it like, it, it just made them think like, oh, okay. It, it's like tangible evidence that there is a heaven. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I think it kind of gave them like an assurance or like kind of verified their faith a little bit. Yes. Mm-hmm. And like I said, like it wasn't just like, people in you know christianity and stuff it was everyone who was like into this really the only people who didn't like them were actual were actually the spiritualists like actual mediums because it they kind of like took away their jobs a little bit because you oh. know they kind of cut them out like people would go to mediums to be able to connect you know be able to get messages from spirits and stuff but now you have you could just go out and buy a Ouija board and I, was say, like, no, no, no. <laughs> I got my board at home I don't need to pay for this anymore. exactly like, yeah so they're the, they were basically the only ones who didn't like them which is kind of surprising it's like their robot like factory workers like but it's like a wooden board with letters yeah (laughs) oh my god you know it basically another thing too is um it kind of just gave people like people who weren't really religious it kind of just gave people like something to believe in like something that's that something else is out there and it kind of connected with people like again across like all different ages professions classes it was just kind of like a fun way for them to be able to believe that something else was out there and give them a way to express that so it kind of it just connected with a lot of people everywhere yeah so it also throughout history before the whole shift of the way people saw the Ouija board it was really popular to people in like uncertain times for example, like World War One, the Great Depression, World War Two, Vietnam War, just because people like in those times were so down and out, like they were just looking for hope. They were looking for answers. So they would turn to the Ouija board to get answers, basically, even so if it wasn't from. Yeah, yeah. Like, but like even if it they weren't trying to communicate with anyone specific, like just to be able to like ask a question and hopefully get an answer. Yeah. Cause I, I was just going to say that, like, 
I've always known people to use them. Like my sister's friend had a Barbie Ouija board. Mm-hmm. Like it was Barbie themed, <laughs> you know, funny. and it was like this little plastic board uh-huh. with a little plastic pink planchet. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the shape of a heart, LOL. Um, but, uh, it, it was never, it was never presented to me as something specifically for spirits. It was literally more so like, what's my favorite color, you know, yeah. or like, what's the weather going to be like tomorrow? Like, that's how I remember learning about it. I yeah. never once thought of until I started watching horror movies is when right. I was like, Oh, spirits, you know? Right. Exactly. And yeah. So people would use it for just answers to any question, not even just to communicate with, I mean, I'm sure during those uncertain times, if they had family members that would pass away in the war and things like that, they would probably try to communicate with them. Um, but they would also use it for just general questions, you know, and it would give them hope. Yeah. And there was a lot like during those times, there were so many of them sold in one I guess in like 1944, there was this one department store in New York. And in one day, or I think it was like a month or something, they sold like 50,000 of them. And in 1967, when like the Vietnam War was going on and more troops were being sent out, 2 million boards were sold during that year. Outselling Monopoly. Like you can infer the motivations, which was death and war. You know, that's sad. It is sad. But it also is like, you know, people use it as a tool for hope, really. So it's nice to think of it that way. Yeah, that's true. But it's just sad that it comes from death and I know, just things like, like that. Feel, like now that you're saying it like that, like, obviously, like if Sam was drafted and like died in a war, like, yeah, I would want to talk to him. You know, yeah. like I, I would want to buy a board and and you know, try to figure out like what's good. Yeah. <laughs> but, what's um, going on over there? <laughs> yeah. But uh, that makes me so sad. Like, I know. Imagine, you know, just, I can't like, now it's a sad thing. Now it's like, yeah. not so much like, but a I have something thing. that will make you, it's kind of funny, I think. Okay. <laughs> so another reason why they were so popular is because of all the strange stories of things that were associated with the Ouija board and what people would do with them. (laughs) So it just kind of like fueled the excitement around them and then like the mystery around them. Like, Mm -hmm. oh my God, this is so crazy. So like, for example, in 1920, there was like this really famous mysterious murder trial going on and these vigilante crime solvers were using the Ouija board to try to like get clues to the murder and they were trying to solve the murder. And it was like all over the newspapers and everything. So people were just like, so crazy about that it was like really funny to everyone Imagine, but it like, also like fueled sales because people were like oh we can use this to like <laughs> find clues like, i'm just imagining like say god forbid like your child dies and you're so distraught and you mm-hmm. call these people to help you and they're like okay i got this hang on and they put this <laughs> wooden board on the table and they start asking questions you see their eyes closed like really feeling it you know yeah you're like just so like you're crying like sobbing because you're <laughs> murdered and they're like no 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 i got this. i got this <laughs> hold on let me commune with the spirits yeah like that's so <laughs> stupid i would laugh in their face oh my god oh my god yeah and then there was another one a year later in 1921 um the new york times reported that a chicago woman was being sent to a psychiatric hospital because i guess her mother died And she was trying to explain to the doctors that she wasn't like crazy, but the the Ouija board spirits just told her to leave her mother's body in the living room for 15 days before she buried her in the backyard. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) But the Ouija board told her to do this. She's not crazy. She it told her to do that. So. Oh, yeah. But course. that was like all so. over the news. It, it's just like fuels the excitement around it, you know? Wait, um, so anything came of that? Like with the I bodies don't know. decomposing in the I'm middle sh- of the living room? Yeah, basically. And then she oh, buried man. it in the backyard. But the Ouija board told her to just leave it. Yeah, the Ouija board was like, let her get nice and ripe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Barrier. That's disgusting. I know. <laughs> and then another funny one. Well, not funny, but it, well, it's kind of funny. <laughs> um, in 1958, this is actually a Connecticut woman 
Oh God, Connecticut. Uh, Connecticut. Yes. <laughs> so a Connecticut court decided not to honor the Ouija board will of this woman named Miss Helen Dow Peck, who left only a thousand dollars to two former servants of hers and an insane amount of one hundred fifty-two thousand dollars to Mr. John Gale Forbes, who was just a spirit that she met via the Ouija board. Oh, shut so up. She died, right? And she left all this money to the spirit and only $1,000 to her servants. And she put that in her will. And the and Connecticut basically decided that that's bullshit. <laughs> okay, honestly, good. Like, that's so disrespectful. I know. Oh my God. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Imagine you're like, okay, like imagine you try really hard because you know that that's what you're going to get as a servant, you know, yeah. you already have a hard life. And then you're like, oh, she's on her last leg. Like finally, like, yeah, I'm going to get that here? inheritance. No, no. It's like leaving all your money or assets to your dog. Yeah, that's exactly. literally what that is. Yep. Useless. So, oh but God. sometimes that those are actually honored though. Sometimes the dogs do get the money. Okay, but in this bullshit. this case, it wasn't even a real anything. It wasn't like it was <laughs> just it <wasn't>, her. <laughs> it, yeah, I was just gonna say she could have literally said, "I leave this to that tree over there." Like, yeah, that, that's oh my god. Yeah, it's hilarious. But like, I guess that's why they are so popular because there's just so many crazy stories about them. People just want to be part of it. <laughs> I can't believe that whoever was helping her write her will because back then like you're not going to just write it on a piece of paper like you went to someone you know that documented it helped you notarize it and everything and they're like yeah this is yeah that makes sense yeah sure yeah Yeah, we can put that in your will no one said no one like tried to fight her on that no I guess not Yep. That's, no. Like, <laughs> well, maybe they just that? went along with it because they knew that it wouldn't go through, like it wouldn't be held up in court afterwards. <laughs> oh, maybe so. Maybe like she's a fucking crazy old bat. Like, I yeah, it's fine. Just let it her won't... do what she wants. <laughs> yeah. It's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, now we can talk a little bit about why we associate it with being bad and evil and why it's associated basically with satan nowadays get into the good stuff get into the good stuff so like i said there was a huge shift of the way that we perceive ouija boards in the 1900s so in 1973 do you know what movie came out the exorcism yep the exorcist word or the the, exorcist exorcist came out and scared the living shit out of everyone because Basically, in the movie, this is the, the first time the Ouija board had been perceived as a bad thing in any sort of way. Right. Because in the movie, the main character, Reagan, she's a 12 year old and she's possessed by a demon after playing with the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. So that's basically the quintessential thing that changed everyone's views about the Ouija board. Because everyone was so scared of that movie and they were like, oh, shit, like the Ouija board can bring out demons. The Ouija board can bring out evil spirits. I never even thought of that. Like, that's awful. Like, ban the Ouija board. It's awful. Like, that's exactly the moment that everything changed. I mean, like when people say like Hollywood rules the world, like it really does. It really does. The the way that movies make us think about society in general, like that for sure. I mean, that's scary in itself, but Mm -hmm. talking about specifically The Exorcist, I watch that movie now and I get freaked out. Yeah. You know, like it's a scary movie. People are like, people are like, oh, it's not scary. Like the effects are shit. And I'm like, uh yeah, but the premise is like is scary. Exactly. Like the steps the priest and the steps, the flies, like just her body contorting. Also back then, like there, there was shock value in films, but specifically the exorcist, I know to be one of the worst ones in terms of dialogue. Mm -hmm. It was so shocking. What was coming out of a nine-year-old's mouth. Yeah. You know, that was scary. And like, just, just everything. Like if you, 
if you pull that movie apart, it's absolutely terrifying. I know, exactly. And it didn't just change like how people view the Ouija board. It basically changed how people viewed the afterlife and spirits and everything. Like they realized that there are like, there could be evil spirits. Like they were kind of just associating the afterlife and everything with heaven and like good spirits and like just communicating with, you know, your past loved ones and everything. But then they realize, oh shit, like this could also include hell and demons and the devil and Satan. And that's when the view of it, like, especially with Christianity and Christian people, they were like, oh, like this is used, this could be used for evil and this is like satan's tool to communicate with us like so that's when everything just changed and you know before (laughs) well it's not really i really don't blame them because this movie really you know it showed people that this could be used to bring out evil spirits so of course that's going to scare the living shit out of them because their faith is surrounded by you know hating satan basically which is so hilarious to me because you know growing up in catholic school i went to catholic school for like eight years ten years and i remember asking the priest because i was just so obnoxious at one point i was very hyper child and annoying in class and i remember a priest was subbing our class and he was like you guys can ask me anything you know, ask me about the Bible. Ask me. So I was like, oh, <laughs> this is my time. <laughs> I was like, are ghosts real? And he was just like, well, you know, we have souls and we go to heaven and some people go to hell, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. So demons are real then. And he was just like, well, we can't really talk about that. And I'm like, why? Like, I was oh like, my God, they, I just wanted to know and I wanted him to tell me that they were real because I wanted to just know that yeah same with angels mm-hmm. and he just like refused to answer the question yeah and same thing I realized it was a pattern where if you talk about demons like they don't like to talk about it yeah and so the fact that they were like so pinpointed on the Ouija board mm-hmm. being you know portal to them is just mm-hmm. like funny to me because it's like they they don't even want to acknowledge both sides. Like I know Catholics or Roman Catholics, at least that just think about heaven. Like they rarely talk about like ghosts or demons. They're like, Oh, that stuff's not real. But it's like, if you believe one of the, like you have to believe the other, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it doesn't make sense to me. So the fact that, well, I guess back then maybe they were more uh, aggressive about it. I think back then, like before this, this movie came out, they like you were saying like they just didn't talk about it they were just focused on the good part of it the afterlife and heaven and good spirits and they just didn't like talk about hell or anything like that so it was never even brought up but now it's being brought up so they're like oh and it really freaked them all out yeah you know what i mean so also just like I remember talking about this with my grandma and she's a hardcore Roman Catholic. Like she goes to church every, every Sunday at 7 Mm AM. And when I was younger, sometimes I'd like to pick her brain on this stuff because she's very honest. She was a kindergarten teacher, you know, like she's, she, she'll tell you how it is. Yeah. And she just said like, you know, Ouija boards are just not something to play around with. But I was like, do you think they're bad? She's like, I don't think they're bad, but it's not something that you should like mess with. And then, she just presented it as like, it's all about your intention more so rather than, you know, it directly being a source of evil. Cause I know a lot more people that like Im- immediately equate it to something negative, you know, but she right. came forth even being a devout Catholic, she came forth saying like, well, it's how you use it almost. Yeah. You know? And so that kind of like sparked my interest more. Yeah. But I think for most people, like, just the just the possibility that something evil can be brought out of a Ouija board 
Like yes. just the premise of that just freaks them out. So they think it's just an evil thing and not even to just yeah. not even don't even mess with it. I mean, because you don't, I don't. Yeah. Because I'm just so scared that like, even though I could go into it saying like, oh, I want to talk to like my dead relative and it's like positive, you know, mm-hmm. something I still, you know, something else could answer, you know, you, right. you never know. But it's so funny that you think that because like before this movie came out, no one thought that. Like, it's just because of this movie and movies after that and pop culture going forward puts that idea into your mind that it makes you scared. But even but yeah. before that, no one thought that no one had that idea. So it's like. That's incredible how uh, yeah. the, the human psyche would change yeah. based on. So uh, I guess you could say movies are like you like I said before, like. When people blame Hollywood for society's crises, like mm-hmm. sometimes that may be true. Like sometimes I think like this is in this case. Exposure. Yeah, I think in this case, it's definitely true. Like not yeah. not just for the Ouija board, but for like for for religions and in general, like especially Christianity. I think it definitely this that movie changed the way that they perceive spiritualism and and spirits and ghosts and things like that for sure and it's just crazy that that one thing can change like the course of history basically yeah that movie Um, i mean that movie's like rightfully so like that yeah it's a really freaky movie yeah and then of course you know that movie was so popular so shocking that there was you know from then on scary movies and things you know just kept coming out to kind of match that and you know it was continued to be seen in like episodes of like breaking bad paranormal activity like ouija board kind of came up in everything so it was always from then on kind of associated with being evil so that it right. kind of just perpetrates that idea mm-hmm. um and you know other movies scary movies of like you know teenagers or something using the ouija board and then some kind of weird spirit coming out of it and chasing them and it's just like that's all I mean, you kind of associate it with now. Well, that like before I started using it, like, so, for instance, when I mentioned my sister's friend who brought the Barbie board out, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, what's that? I really didn't know what it was yeah. until I saw it. And then I was like, oh, but then I still didn't equate it to bad. Yeah. You know, so. It's yeah. Like, but uh, in middle school, I went over to this girl's house and she lived really close to a cemetery and there was like five of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were other people that I didn't know, some people that I knew. And she was like, she was very into horror. She shopped at Hop Topic. You know, she was like a scene girl before I knew what scene was. So I found her to be really interesting. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do whatever this girl says. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, so she, we went to the cemetery and we brought her Ouija board and we started talking to it. And we we're just like, what's my favorite color? Uh, am I going to get a good grade on this test tomorrow? Like, it was just like very stupid shit. And then all of a sudden my friend goes, when will I die? Oh, and God. that's like the worst question I, yeah. in my eyes. Like, you yeah. could just ask that, you know? Yeah. And uh, then for whatever reason, that changed the atmosphere. Obviously, mm-hmm. also, we were just sitting at the edge of the cemetery and yeah. at night. And <laughs> my other friend next to me just starts sobbing. She oh, no. just starts uncontrollably crying. Yeah. And she looks at me. She's like, I don't know why I'm crying. Like I'm getting freaked out. Like she almost was having some sort of panic attack, anxiety attack or something, but she couldn't stop crying. And uh. we were like, okay, we have to go. So as soon as we said goodbye, because my friend was like, oh, we have to say goodbye. You know, like we, we can't not say goodbye. Yeah. Immediately when we said goodbye, she stopped crying. She wow. like got a hold of herself, something like that. So my skepticalness was like, okay, maybe she was very freaked out. And that was her body's or brain's response to being like so overwhelmed with, you know, anxiety or paranoia. Yeah. Because we were in this environment that was kind of scary. So maybe that. And as soon as we said goodbye, maybe she was like in her brain. Okay. It's over it's now. It's over I now. Can stop yeah. freaking out. Yeah. But then again, I'm like, maybe this force came over her and affected her, you know, in that way as well. So it's yeah. like, I don't know, but that, that really freaked me out that experience. Yeah, and I that haven't would, touched I would be one freaked since. Out. 
Yeah, I'd be freaked yeah. out too. I've personally never used one just because I've never known anyone that had one uh-huh. or I've never like bought one. But if I was near one or like if I had the chance to do it, I would do it just because we should do it. I don't. OK, I I don't I honestly don't believe that it you can contact anyone through it. Just yeah. especially after doing this research and I'm about to go over how it actually works. Oh, um, amazing. I like, I don't think it does anything. It's just us basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would do it just to, just cause it's supposed to be fun. Like that was the original idea. It's like a fun, it's an un- entertaining game that you play. That's also a little spooky and mystical. So it's like, yeah, I think it's also about trust. Like yeah. you're playing with who's pushing it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like you can kind of like feel it around like that too. Exactly. You know? So, yeah, that's kind of how uh, the idea behind the Ouija board and spiritualism was changed for Mm. the worst, I think. (laughs) The worst. (laughs) Um, But now, like I said, I'll just go over about how they actually work. And no, it's not ghosts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the effect behind it, what actually happens is called the idiometer effect. So in 1852, a physician and um, psychologist, William Carpenter, published a report and he was examining these automatic muscular movements that take place without the conscious, without like your conscious will or it's basically like an involuntary movement, very, very small muscular movements that happen involuntarily that you don't notice. So even if you think you're not moving, you're moving a little bit. Oh, dang. So it can generate a very strong impression that the movement is being caused by something else, something outside. And it's, you could think that it's not you, but it really is you, especially if there's, you know, other people involved. So planchettes, were designed specifically so that they would be very well suited for this effect. So at first they were constructed using like a very lightweight wood and they had little small casters on the bottom that would help them move really, really easily and smoothly. And now they're produced usually using plastic and they have felt feet, which of course would make them really, really easy to move around on the board. So even if you have like a very minuscule muscle movement, it's going to move a little bit because it's so easy to just slide across the surface. Right. Um, And it's also like the social context of the situation. So, you know, it's usually a group of people and they all have a very slight influence, which kind of, you know, in a group, a bunch of people have their hands on the planchette and that can add up to a lot of movement altogether. It's also like not one person, since the movements are so small and you think that you're not moving, you know, not one person can be blamed for moving the planchette because it's really everyone. So it kind of makes it seem like the planchette is moving on its own, like or a spirit is moving the planchette because right. no one can really say who is actually moving it, even though it's everyone all together. Mm-hmm. So, and kind of the idea that this is supposed to be like a spiritual event, a spiritual game, something is supposed to be moving the planchette. It kind of makes the the person playing kind of give up a little bit of their control and they kind of just like let it happen. You know what I mean? So the fact that they know that um, something else is supposed to be moving the planchette, it kind of just makes them not notice what they're actually doing, if that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's actually some scientists who are doing research on this right now to kind of see. Still? Yeah, still, like very recently, that can kind of show how the Ouija board can help us look into our unconscious mind and our unconscious like thought processes. Um, So that's kind of what they're investigating. So a few years ago, some scientists conducted an experiment involving a Ouija playing robot. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, it's really cool. So basically what they would do is the participant, like the person that was being experimented on was told that they were playing with a, another person in another room via like Zoom or like teleconferencing or something. Mm-hmm. So the robot 
was supposed to be mimicking the other person's movements. So in actuality, the robot's movements were simply like amplifying the participants' motions and the person in the other room didn't actually exist. So it was really just the person and the robot playing and the robot was mimicking the uh, the person's movements and it made the person think that they weren't in control because the movement that the robot was making, they thought that was the other person. So they were like, oh, this other person is moving it. Like, it's not me, but it really is them. So while they were doing this, the person was asked a series of yes or no, like fact-based questions, and they were expected to use the board to answer the questions. So when the participants were asked to verbally guess what the answer to the question was to the best of their ability, they were only right about like 50% of the time. And that's like basically like a typical result for guessing when you're like just guessing just from thinking about it and then making a guess. Right. Because 50, 50 shot. Right. Um, But when they were answering using the board, believing that the answers were coming from somewhere else, they were actually correct more than 65 percent of the time. Oh, my God. Stop. So that kind of implies that someone's non-conscious mind Mm -hmm. is actually a lot smarter than we know or that. So is that like that feeling that you get? Yeah. Or like using instinct or maybe we actually do know the answer to this question, but for some reason it's like just really far back there and we can't get to it. For some reason, we just are a lot smarter non-consciously. So the Ouija board can really help them study that because people are using their non-conscious thought processes. And um, so researchers are basically just continuing to study the Ouija board and they're kind of asking more questions like how much does the unconscious mind know and what does it know and how fast can it learn and how does it remember things and things like that. So it really can open up a lot of different um, experiments that they're going to be starting using the Ouija board to kind of answer those questions. So it's really, really interesting. Maybe it'll unlock part of our brain because I think, isn't it like we only use like 10 or 20% of our brain or something? I think so. But I also think I remember reading that that was a myth, but I'm not sure. (laughs) But I mean, obviously there's some part of our non-conscious brain that we're not using. So right. So imagine tapping into that. Like, yeah, exactly. We're like 15% smarter than we think we are basically. Nice. I'll tell that to my professor. Yeah, (laughs) but that's basically all I had on Ouija boards and the history of them and spiritualism in America. That was so interesting. And I, you know, after you saying the part about the exorcist, I was like, fuck, that really, that movie really fucked it up. (laughs) Yeah, it really did. You know, I'm kind of resentful. (laughs) I, I am too, but also at the same time, like, my dad came here in the 1980s. He said that was like one of the first movies that he watched and it still freaks him out to this day. My dad's See? like pretty hardcore. He's not like, you know, like he, he doesn't get scared easily. Yeah. He's not scared of sharks, like great mm-hmm. white sharks. And uh, I guess that's pretty much it. So when yeah. he said that, that movie freaked him out. And I was like, that old of a movie? I was like, why? Yeah. And I watched it and I was like, oh, like, okay, yeah. I understand. Um, yeah. But even so, like, like I said, like being in, in Catholic school, I've always been interested in the dark side of it, just because I think mentally I like to compare and I just like to know both sides, you know? Yeah. So researching more and then like learning about the demons and everything, like I can understand why it kind of exploded into that, into society, because like you said, they never thought about it before. So right. now there's this new fear, you know, like unlocked new fear. <laughs> like, Well, yeah. That- and if if you think about it, this was also probably what started that whole satanic panic shit that happened right after yes. this movie came out. Because, yeah. you know, it just really scared people about the devil and demons and things. And like, it just kind of exploded into every facet like even now with my witchcraft and practice and everything 
It's mm-hmm. completely light. Like there's no dark aspect in it at all. Like it's just right. nature people, but it's like, yeah. even with that, people will still be freaked out because they don't yeah. know the, what it's actually about. And right. they think it's some kind of satanic, like devil worshiping thing when it's not. But I think that before that movie, I don't think that they would have thought that, you right, know, because they but, were so into the spiritualism of right. it already, you know, to an extent. So I understand that. Like, yeah. So it's like, know. it's just, I think it put an unnecessary panic or unnecessary, like, feeling of doom or like just like it gives people anxiety about is this bad yeah Yeah, it really is and it kind of just it it just kind of bled into every single thing I think and it yeah it really had a big impact going back so you said you never had an experience with Ouija boards no um I remember like when I told my mom about me using a Ouija board she like freaked out about it and she was mm-hmm. like, never do that again. Like she got really mad at me. Like I, like I did something like I punched my sister or something. You know, like <laughs> some, I was like, oh, I didn't realize it was that bad. You know, that my mom knows about it. You yeah. Know? So I, uh, then she proceeded to tell me that when she was younger, she had a friend who had a Ouija board and my mom grew up, you know, she was a little kid in the late 1970s. Mm-hmm. So she was in this girl's attic and they were playing with this Ouija board. And all of a sudden, you know, that one window that some people have in their attic. Yeah. Um, the blinds on it fell off when they were asking it questions. Mm-hmm. And then a bunch of hornets came <gasps> out of the wall. Oh, and that omen, said, I guess. Ex- I guess. Like, but uh, ever since then, she's been like, no, 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 I don't fuck with that. Like, yeah, you shouldn't, you shouldn't even think about it. <laughs> like, you know, oh like she's God. very like, so I'm excited for her to like listen to this episode. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm excited for my mom to listen to this, too, because she's scared of them, too. So hi, mom. Really? Isn't that so funny? Like, I'm yeah. just like, you know, but still, like I said, I don't mess with it just in case. Like my yeah. logic brain is like or my skepticism is like, eh, it's like bullshit, whatever, you know. Yeah. But then like my logic is like, well, maybe you shouldn't touch it like just in case, you know, like, you know, I'm, you don't I'm know usually like real. that about most things, but not about this. I completely like, don't. No, I completely like, don't I believe it. So it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we should. We should like buy one. They sell them at Target. I see them all the time. We really? should go get one. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. Thanks yeah. for uh, listening to this episode. And just a heads up, we are now on Apple Podcasts for your listening pleasure. Mm-hmm. If you have any questions, comments, Ouija board experiences, we would love to know about it. Email us at thewitching.podcast at gmail.com. Stay tuned for the next episode of The Witching.